Years ago, there was a, a song out entitled, We Are Family. Do any of you, are any of you old enough to remember that song, We Are Family? Yeah, some of you are, yeah. And by the Pointer Sisters. But you know, the truth of that, that statement, we are family, is never better expressed than through the church of God. We are family. It's my favorite designation for the church, to be honest with you. Uh, because we are family. We're the family of God. We're children of God. And so when we come together, we should see ourselves as family. We really are. And that's what the Bible teaches. And because we're family, we need each other. And that's why it's important that we understand our connection to the church, to the, the body of Christ. Now, this morning, what I want to do in our series on myths that lead uh, to misbelief, I want to tackle another common myth. And it sounds culturally reasonable. When I, I share it with you, you're going to say, yeah, I've, I've heard that myth uh, before expressed, at least in some form or fashion. In fact, uh, this myth is so commonly misrepresented that even Christians sometimes use it because they don't want to offend, you know, uh, another person who says, well, I, this is the way I kind of see it. What is the myth? Well, this common uh, myth that I want to talk about today goes like this. It doesn't matter if you go to church or where you go to church as long as you believe in God. That's the kind of common myth. And, you know, like a lot of the myths that we've been talking about, it seems so legit, right? And so that's the myth. Did you get that? you want me to say that again? Guys, can you put that on the screen? Can you leave that up? That's a lot of words maybe to write down. It doesn't matter if you go to church or where you go to church just as long as you believe in God. Well, in, in the woke, kind of politically correct culture that you and I are living in, nobody wants to say or suggest that where you worship, or what you worship, for that matter, is as important as the fact that you just say, well, I worship, and, and uh, I worship somewhere and, or something, and I believe in God. That's kind of where we are in kind of the wokeness and politically. So you don't question a person, say, well, this is just the way, I don't, I don't, have to be connected to a church. The church is just of this or of that, and, and I believe in God, and so I'm good to go. A number of years ago, when I pastored in St. Petersburg, Florida, I was playing golf one uh, uh, afternoon with a couple of my deacons. Um, there were three, we played every week, and, um, and we went to the course that we normally played, and there was this man from the area, and he was by himself, and since we were a threesome, he asked, could he join us? and make a foursome play with us. We said, sure, we'll be glad for you to do that. And so he rode with me. I wasn't riding with the deacons. And so he rode with me. And so in the course of the, our round, we're driving, and of course we're headed toward uh, um, you know, the next hole. And, and so I started talking to him about the Lord. And while I'm talking to him about the Lord, all of a sudden he says, well, he says, you're kind of like my wife. My wife is very religious. She goes to church every week. I said, well, I'm a pastor. And so I do too, you know. And he said, well, my wife goes every week. But he said, not me. He said, I don't need the church. And then we started walking up on the next tee box. And as he got up on the tee box, he stopped and he spread his arms out. And he said, you see, for me, this is my church. This is my sanctuary. And this is where I worship. Well, he had part of it right. It was definitely what he worshiped. But he didn't have the church part of it right. And I know that Jesus said this. People, you know, will say, well, Jesus said, you know, they that worship must worship in spirit and in truth. And that's exactly right. That means that worship begins in the heart. 
But you have to understand, because I've had people use that to say, so you don't really need a church. You don't have to be in a church. I've heard people, but you have to understand the context when Jesus said that. Jesus wasn't talking about the assembly. He was talking about where, heart, where worship is birthed. And so you have to understand the context in what uh, Jesus is speaking there. And much of the book of Acts discusses the formation of the church and, and the gathering of the church together. That, it's a whole book devoted to the expansion, the creation and expansion of the church. In fact, if you read much of the New Testament, you read the letters of the Apostle Paul. Listen to this. In almost every letter Paul wrote, he addressed some kind of dysfunction or pathology, guess where? In the local churches that he was writing to. And so the New Testament is full of theology to help us understand the importance of not the church, just the church universal, but the local church, the local body, the local church that we are to be a part of and connected to. So don't be naive. The myth is a lie. It does not matter where you worship. That's the myth. It does, it does matter where you worship, and it does matter uh, when you worship. So let me begin by addressing a couple of problems with the myth. These aren't on your outline, but if you can jot them down, you might want to jot them down. The first is this. Everything that calls itself a church is not a church. Do you get that? Everything that calls itself a church is not a church, at least not a biblical church. Because, you see, the biblical church has certain biblical distinctives in the way it operates, in its purpose, and in its doctrine. Some years ago, a group of, of, of people on the West Coast organized and formed what came to be known, what they came to be known, this is what they organized under and called it, the Church of Monday Night Football. Well, I know a lot of people that have attended that church. But they organized, and they, had, uh, they, they paid dues in, and they, they would gather on Monday nights, and they'd have a meal together, and then they, would, they had these goofy rituals they went through before the big game, the Monday night, night game. And they literally organized and called themselves the church of Monday night, uh, Monday night football. Well, <clears throat> because they called themselves a church doesn't make them a church at least not biblically speaking. Does that make sense? There are a lot of things in our culture today that refer to themselves as a church. There's a cult group that I'm very familiar with, and I don't have time to talk about. Uh, I've had personal encounters uh, with them in another state, and they refer to themselves as a church. They weren't a church at all. They formed under that uh, heading so they could get government tax break. That was it. They called themselves a church. They're not a church. Everything that calls itself a church is not a church, biblically speaking. Uh, and because a group organizes religiously doesn't mean they're organized biblically and are thus spiritually qualified to be called a church, a church of the living God. So just like everyone who calls themselves a Christian, that's not a Christian. You know, a lot of people call themselves a Christian. They're not a Christian. So also every group that calls itself a church is not necessarily a church. Here's a second problem with our myth, and that is many churches that started uh, right, they started right, have drifted left of Scripture. Very important to understand. They started the right way, uh, they, but they drifted. Many churches, many denominational, congregational uh, uh, groups started well. They started right, but in time and history, they drifted back to the left. And there's ample evidence of this. Again, I don't have because that's not the nature of the message. I don't have time to go into all of that. But let me give you an example. It happened in a lot of different spheres, culturally, educationally, uh, religiously, uh, historically. 
And uh, for example, did, uh, did, are you aware that most, most every college or university first formed in this nation, including what we consider the elites, were formed for the purpose of training ministers to uh, share the gospel, preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, including schools like all of your Ivy League schools, Harvard, Brown, uh, Penn, uh, Yale, all of these were created on that for the purpose. Now, they wouldn't tell you that today. They're embarrassed by that today. But they drifted to the left. They drifted left of Scripture, so they left the purpose for which they were organized. Churches do that. Denominations do that. And so we have to understand the problem with the myth is that a lot of churches, a lot of groups that start right drift to the left of Scripture. And many formerly strong uh, churches, denominational groups over the past 100 years uh, are uh, mirroring and in some cases affirming the slow and steady drift of the culture to the left. We're seeing that today. You say, is that so important if they choose to do that? Well, yeah, it's very important because it affects everything. For example, the drift dramatically affects things like cultural morals. It, it affects things like family definitions. We have new definitions today for what the family is. It, it, it affects um, uh, cultural morals and it, it sanctions aberrant sexual behaviors. It affirms gender confusion. It rejects boundaries and authority and a host of other matters you see, that have been foundational to cultural and spiritual health. And these are reflections of what happens when the church drifts leftward of Scripture, where it once held a Judeo-Christian influence over the culture, it gives that up. And for that reason, it does make a difference where you go and that you go. To church. If you're physically able to do so, stand with me this morning as we read our text. Begin in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 is where we begin because this is the full context of what we're talking about. It says this, therefore brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Father, would you speak to us this morning from your word, your divine and holy and fallible word. Speak to us, our hearts. Lord, remind us of how important our gatherings are and the significance of that gathering, not only in our lives, but in the work of the kingdom in the world. Speak now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Now, the writer of Hebrews is addressing an issue that had become a serious problem in the, in the early church. You know what the problem was? Simply put, many people, many confessing Christians had just stopped going to church. They just neglected church. It had, it had lost uh, uh, the importance or priority to them. Now, and they didn't even have a pandemic 
by the way. They just had given up the priority of going to church. There was simply no commitment. And here's what he wanted them to understand, that, that they were the ones who suffered most because the church was not designed by man. It was designed and created and implemented by God for the advancement of his kingdom, for the spiritual growth of his children, and for the koinonia and the fellowship of believers which would encourage and strengthen them. He knew that by their giving up church, they were giving up something that was very, very important, not just to culture, but it was important to their own uh, lives and their own spiritual well-being. Now, we've had an unusual year, and this sermon, by the way, this is a good day to be in church when the pastor preaches on being in church, <laughs> right? I mean, so, so, and we've had an unusual year, and I'm not talking about some of the things that have mitigated people needing to stay away from church. So don't hear me say that. That's not what this is about. I could have preached this message 100 years ago. This is the message that the writer of Hebrews was preaching 2,000 years ago. The same problem for 2,000 years has, uh, has happened, and that is uh, people coming and going, committed, not committed, to the gathering of the saints, the church of God. And he wanted uh, them to know, just like we must know the importance of why we are to gather together uh, in, in, uh, in person, the personal gatherings, uh, and why that is important. And I'll tell you now, in four decades of ministry, I've encountered and dealt with a number of what I would consider false and misleading perceptions uh, that people have given about why they, they don't feel the need to gather like we're doing here this morning. For example, I've heard this one, the church is full of hypocrites. Well, what would I say about that? I would say I agree. And, but I would also say to the person that wants to use that, but, you know, don't join it because you would be classified as a hypocrite too. Because all of us are inconsistent at places in our life. Hello? And so the church is full of hypocrites, but it's, it's full of saved hypocrites. The church is not a hotel for saints. It's a hospital for sinners. And, and that's one of the reasons we need to come together. But to say that the church is full of hypocrites, and so I don't go to church, is actually a hypocritical assertion itself. It's saying, well, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm above that. Sort of thing. I, I tell you another thing that we sometimes hear is, well, but the church is just a building. Well, not really. The church is the body made up of born-again followers of Jesus Christ. The physical facility that we meet in here is the shell where the church meets. But you are the church. And so uh, some people say the church is just a building. Well, the church is really, uh, uh, the building is a house, but the body is the church. I've heard this, well, the church is not a building, okay, the very thing, okay, the church isn't a building, um, and ironically, some people disconnect with the church um, because they argue the church is a body, and therefore, I don't have to go to a building, uh, sort of thing. They refuse to gather in a local physical place, and it misses the fact, listen, I've heard that one a lot, well, I don't have to go to a, a location because the church is the universal church, the, that kind of ecclesiology, which is not biblical, and that's what the writer is telling us here. And it misses the fact, when a person uses that, it misses the fact that the early church, listen, was organized. It was organized locally. Paul wrote to local churches. John uh, wrote to seven specific churches. 
The church was organized locally. And I want to tell you something. Not only were they organized locally, they had structure. And eventually, guess what they did? They constructed buildings to meet in. And so never, and we know that because we have ruins of churches all over the Middle East. In fact, that, that fact is so powerful. Do you know many of the, uh, the, the terrorist groups like Al-Qaeda and those have tried to destroy any semblance of the historical uh, uh, ruins of churches? Did you know that? Why? They want to wipe out any, any memory that there was a physical church there at one point in time, or a Christian people there. So that one is sometimes used. The, the church is an emotional choice. Perhaps you've heard that. Uh, th- that is that feelings should be the uh, primary influence behind uh, how a person chooses which church to attend. Now, in other words, which one feels good to me? Now, this does, <laughs> I want to clarify something. Your feelings are important, Okay. And, and so this doesn't mean that the church should feel miserable in order to be spiritual. Ah, that church, um, the church I go to, man, is so bad. It must really be spiritual. That's not what we're saying. Well, look, when you come together, I love when the, the band is up here leading us. In the first hour, we have choir and orchestra. And I, I can tell you, I am moved emotionally many times by the worship music. Your feelings are a part of of worship, okay? So don't confuse that. We get moved by that. In fact, it often is a move of the Spirit of God that moves upon our emotions and upon our mind. And so emotions are important, but, but we must distinguish between just pure fleshly emotional gratification and spiritual awareness of God's presence. Because there are a lot of places you can go and get your emotions stirred, that do not follow that with biblical truth. Does that make sense? And then perhaps you've heard something like that. Well, the church is all about just a preferential choice. And many have come to believe that the church should be selected or connected to on the basis of personal preferences. You know, kind of like going through a cafeteria. People shop churches today. They, I'll take a little of this. I'll take a little of this. I'll take a little of this. And whichever one gives me the most bang for my buck, that's where I, I'll go. And so my preference is, well, I want this, and I want this, and I want this, which misses the heart of true worship. Because worship, the true heart of worship is not about, uh, about what we can pick out. It's a, about what we can do in response to a holy God. Your preferences are important, don't get me wrong, but, but like your feelings, they are not the proverbial tail that wags the dog when you connect with a church. And then the church is sometimes referred to as just an optional choice. That's what was kind of happening in our text here. Um, it, it is an argument that suggests that since the church is really composed of individual believers, that um, where and how and when I worship is just purely optional. But that wasn't true of the New Testament church. In fact, if you go back and read in the book of Acts, you find out they, were, they, they didn't just gather on, the, on, on a Sunday gathering, what we call the first day of the week. They didn't just gather there. They gathered every chance they had the opportunity. And so we have to be careful when we say, well, it's just an optional kind of choice. Everybody wants to find the perfect church. Years ago, I preached a series of messages called The Search for the Perfect Church. And guess what? On this side of heaven, there's no such thing. There's no such thing as a per, uh, perfect church. And you know why? Because it's made up of people like you. Not people like me, but made up like people like you. No, it's made up of people like me and you. There's no such thing as the perfect church this side of heaven. But what you can find is a healthy church. 
And I maintain that church health is a vital part of your being able to connect with God. And so when you look for a church, you ought to look for a place that is healthy, not perfect. I'm not a perfect pastor. It's not a perfect congregation. If you keep your eyes on me, I'm going to let you down. If you keep your eyes on other people in this congregation, they're going to let you down sooner or later. So we come into a healthy place and we all try to put our eyes on Jesus. Amen. And so those are some of the misperceptions that we sometimes find when people are, are trying to figure out how do you connect with a church. And that leads to four things that I want to show you this morning. Number one, I want to show you from our passage here that our gathering is a mandate. Verses 24, 25, really you go back up to verse 22, there are a series of three exhortations. And if you look in, the, in your Bible, you'll see, and by the way, I want to just tell you something. Thank you for being people that love to hear the Bible. You know, when I stand up here, I think, thank God I have a congregation of people that love to hear the Bible. I only see three or four of you sleeping every week. But I, I, I really, I, I want to tell you that. Thank you for loving the Scripture and loving to hear the Scripture. And, and there are, are, are three exhortations in this passage. Uh, those exhortations, you can say, are like a mandate. In verse 22, let us draw near. He says in verse 23, let us hold fast with our con uh, to uh, the confession of our hope. And then in verse 24, he says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. And, the, and verse 25 uh, is a continuation of that particular exhortation. And it, so we have this mandate together. Let us gather to stir one another up and let us not neglect are coming together. Uh, uh, verse 25 makes very clear that the writer of Hebrews is not suggesting that our gathering for church is an optional thing. He's suggesting that it is a priority thing. And so the lettuce statements are a part of that, and verse 24 again connects with verse 25 when he says, uh, let us, you know, uh, connect with each other in order to stir one another up. And I'll talk a little bit more about that in just a moment. But here's the big point. You can't stir one another up if you don't gather together. Hello? You can't stir one another up. But why would he even have to address this? Isn't, it, isn't the need together as a church self-evident? Well, you would think so, especially given the church was relatively new. You would think you wouldn't have to address this with, with the early church. You might have to address it down the road with churches, you know, 2,000 years later or 1,000 years later or 500 years later. But this is in the first century. And guess what they were already having problems with? People were, uh, were, were checking out. The truth is, it's been an issue since the church began and since the church was formed. Maybe back then, I don't know, maybe they were using Bradley some excuses like, well, um, I stopped going to church because people aren't friendly enough. You ever heard that one? Maybe you've used that, maybe you've felt that before, and it, and it may be that sometimes the people aren't friendly, but, but you may, it, it's hard to use that as the ultimate excuse because that's not what gathering is about. Or, or maybe back then they were saying things like, well, I stopped going because I got my feelings hurt. I bet in this room there are people and you've gotten your feelings hurt before at church. You ought to be a pastor. I get mine hurt all the time. <laughs> you know, but some people say, well, I stopped going because I got my feelings hurt. Or I stopped going because I don't like everything they do. I want to tell you something. I've been the pastor here now over 20 years, and I don't like everything we do, and I lead the process. You know, uh, or, or maybe, maybe 
they said things like this. I stopped going because, let me just share some personal things, 20 years, some that I've actually heard come out of, of here since I've been pastoring. <laughs> Maybe they said about the preacher, I, I, don't, I stopped going because I don't like the preacher's shoes. I had someone say, I, I, I'm having trouble coming to worship because you don't wear black shoes. Promise that's true. That happened over a decade ago, but happened. Or I don't like uh, that, that the preacher doesn't wear a tie. I've heard that one. I had somebody say, I can't go to church because you don't wear a tie. Or, uh, or the preacher didn't shake my hand like I, it was a conspiracy. I, I stopped going because the preacher didn't shake my, my hand. Uh, uh, by the way, I always think, how are those going to play out when we stand before Jesus? Well, I... You know, I just kind of dropped out. The preacher didn't shake my hand one Sunday. Um, I don't like, this one I, I heard, I stopped going because I don't like the preacher's hair. I don't like the preacher's hair. Um, and this one, y'all will appreciate this one. I, I, heard, I, I, don't, I stopped going to church because I don't like the preacher's jokes. I actually heard that one. I know they're cheesy. Uh, and here's one. I stopped going to church because the preacher's message sometimes makes me feel uncomfortable. I've actually been told all of those uh, o- over the years. Now, not, that's not a frequent happening, but, but isn't that absurd? You see, a, a person that doesn't want to go will find any reason not to go. Uh, they'll find a reason. Um, I, I've heard this. I stopped going because I get my church in other ways, radio, TV, Internet, Now, by the way, let me just put a little uh, footnote in here. I love those means, and we're on all of them. You could have driven in listening to us on the radio this morning. We're on the radio this morning. We're on uh, um, uh, TV in in three different states every Sunday. We're on um, live stream and uh, social media platforms across the globe. And in the last year, God has expanded that. So I, don't hear me say that I don't appreciate those. I love those things. We've got people right now that are joining us by internet. In fact, why, why don't you let them know we're glad they tuned in. We have scores and scores of people that have joined. We have people that have joined us in the last year through these means. I am grateful for those things. So don't hear me say I don't appreciate them. Every week, it is rare for me not to receive some kind of, uh, of note or some kind of thank you from people who uh, have tuned into us through media and the various kinds of, of media. So I am grateful for that. It's ministry to many people who are not physically able to connect to, to church. And there are many that, especially this last year, uh, have had uh, uh, problems uh, coming. And I understand all that. So don't hear me say there's problem with that. I rejoice in these things, but here's what I do want to say about them. There are three things that cannot be fully experienced through media that are experienced through the gathering. What are they? Number one is koinonia, true biblical koinonia. You know what koinonia is? It's fellowship. It's biblical fellowship. I guess you can get a measure of fellowship through a screen if you're connected with other people, but it's not the same. It's just not the same as being able to see a person face-to-face. I've had people coming up, you know, as, as people are, are, are we're kind of getting free of some stuff and praise God for that, and hopefully we'll continue uh, to move forward with that. But I've had people new face every week. It's kind of new as a pastor because you get to see people you hadn't seen in a long time this morning already, several uh, families that I've talked to and individuals that come up. And uh, here's a new thing. I never thought I'd ha- hear this before in, in church. And that is, I have people now coming up to me and saying, 
are you giving out hugs now? And I am, you know, I'm saying, yeah, yeah, I'm giving out hugs. And, um, but this, what is that all about? It's about that, that proximity. It's about, it's about fellowship and koinonia. That's why small groups are so important. You get something in there, you don't get anywhere else. So that you, it's hard to get that through directly through media. And by the way, the second thing is direct service. You, it's hard to directly be involved in serving if you're not, if you're not joined together with others uh, for the uh, um, purpose of serving. And then third, corporate worship. I, again, I thank God for our media and thank you for tuning in, and we're going to continue to do it the best we, we can. We have people now all over the world watching, and we are grateful to God for that. But I want to tell you, there's just something different about live, isn't there, about being in, in a, a place like this? You know, what's different, I'll tell you, is that you can't, you can't turn me off, um, and you, you have to change out of your pajamas, maybe. But seriously, uh, there, it's just a different environment, and people every week say, man, it, just, it's, it is so different. Thank God for media, but there's some things that you can only get, get when you gather physically with the people of God, all right? Uh, and the writer of Hebrews is, uh, he's not saying that the uh, earthly expression of the church is perfect. In fact, if you, if you consider most of the books of the New Testament were about how to help the church be the church, He's not addressing the church, uh, rather he's addressing the believer who isn't serious. He's not addressing the church, he's addressing the believer who's not seriously committed to gather with the family of God. So we have this exhortation, and it is a personal mandate to faithfully gather with the family of God. All right, number two, he speaks also about our gathering and that it is a mark Mark, just stay with me. I think you'll understand what I'm talking about. He says, not neglecting to meet together. Notice this, as is the habit of some. Okay, are you with me? Now watch this. The fact that some people had forsaken the assembly of themselves together as the church identified them, right? Right? Because they knew who didn't gather. And so that was a mark. They had marked themselves as those who had forsaken the church. The, the, the other mark, though, is just important, and that is those who had not forsaken the church were marked by the fact of their, their gathering with the church, right? So do you understand the point? One way or the other, it marks us, doesn't it? It puts a mark on us. Now, our loyalty, listen to this, our loyalty is not first the church of Jesus Christ. Our loyalty is first Jesus of the church. Not the church of Jesus, but Jesus of the church. Does that make sense to you? That's our first loyalty. But listen to me. And when that loyalty is right, it should lead to faithful support of the family of God, faithful gathering to the family. So if you get that right, because Jesus is the one who created the church. The book of Acts is all about the creation of the church, and Jesus is the one who created the church. And so if you get this right, that your loyalty is first to Jesus the Jesus of the church, and guess what? You'll get the second half right, and that is the value and importance of the church of Jesus Christ. 
Let's face it, you are known, I am known by the company that we keep. We are known by the, by the, the things that we identify with. And your company, the things you identify with, the people you identify with, can make you look better than you are, hello, or can make you look worse than you are. We're marked by our loyalties. I read uh, the story of an old man, and he was seen every Sunday morning walking through his neighborhood, walking to a small local church for church services. But here's the deal. He was deaf, so he couldn't hear a word of the sermon, or he couldn't hear any of the music that praised God. And there was a scoffer in his neighborhood uh, who could communicate with him a little bit. And so one week he asked him, he said, I, I notice every Sunday I see you walking to church and you're deaf. And, and so you can't hear any of the, the message and you can't uh, uh, hear any of the music. So why do you even bother? And the old man said this, he said, well, I'll tell you why I go. I want my neighbors to know which side I'm on. I want my neighbors to know. You see, you see, your gathering marks you or your lack thereof marks you. It tells, it tells who you are. It tells what kingdom, what kingdom you're connected to. All right? So it marks us. Here's a third observation that I give you. The third note is this. Our gathering is a ministry. Verses 24 and verse 25. He says in verse 24, consider how to stir one another up. And then verse 25, encouraging one another. You know, this past year, they tell us the statistics on loneliness and despair and suicide have been exponentially higher than any, any year in the past. Why is that? Well, it's all because of the effects of lockdown. And, and I had a lady tell me recently, she said, I, I, I thought I was going to go crazy. She said, I thought I was going to go crazy. That, those are very, very real uh, effects of this pandemic. And it has served to remind us, though, how much we really need each other, hasn't it? I had a lady tell me, and, and we did back uh, in August, I did her husband's funeral. He died of COVID. And she was back, first time today, she was back in our early service. And I'm talking with her uh, about that. How are you doing? She says, I'm, I'm still struggling. And she said, you know what the hard part was for me, Brother Ray? She said, I couldn't be with him in the final uh, days of his life because, you know, everything was so locked down, and I'm not, that's not a complaint about that. And she's just saying, but the, the emotional toll that it took on her because she said, I, I wasn't even able to be with him in his last days before, before he died. You see, loneliness and those kinds of things are very real and that's why we need the church. We need the encouragement of the body of Christ. That the encouragement comes from one another. Proverbs 27, 17 says, iron sharpens iron, and one person sharpens another. And again, verse 24, stir one another up. Now, you need to, you need, thank goodness the writer of Hebrews tells us the whole thing. He didn't just say, come to church so you can stir one another up. Because uh, Baptists know how to do that, right? We know how to get something stirred up. Uh, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, come to church so that you can, you can be uh, someone that stimulates someone else for uh, service to God. You know, we have these bands. If you haven't got one, you ought to pick one up out there. The orange bands, Fan Into Flame. It's based on Timothy's, uh, uh, Paul's statement of Timothy, Fan Into Flame, the gift that God has given you. Uh, for the use of the kingdom of God. And, um, 
and, and one of the reasons that we, have you, ever, have you ever ended up committing to something in church that you had no intention of committing to or no, you, you thought, I, I, you, you hadn't even thought about it, but you went to church and you were hanging around with some of your friends or some other believers and those believers began to talk about something or they heard the, the preacher or some other staff member talking about something, here's something we need and we need help with and we need ministry in and they started talking and before you know it, you committed yourself to it. You know what happened? You got stirred up by being with other believers. He said, you know what? I need to do that. I, I need to commit to that. Well, that's what Paul, I mean, uh, the writer of Hebrews is talking about. He's talking about when we come together, we, we stimulate one another to love and good works for God. And thank goodness he put that on. Stimulate to what? To love and good works. The fact is, there are some times when you come to church, you need to come to church because you need to be ministered to, right? I mean, you hadn't told anybody, but you, you need, there's something going, the devil's beating on you, or you're, you're going through some kind of despair, or, or maybe depression, or something like that. And you know what? You, you need to be ministered to, you, and you need to go to church because you just need God to, to do something. And you know, how many times have you gone to church and then suddenly either the preacher Shared something, you go, wow, that's exactly what I, I need. He didn't know, but that's what I know I needed to hear. Or somebody, a friend or somebody else uh, says something to you, and you say, wow, Lord, I needed to hear that. They didn't know it, but God knew it, and God put you in the company of the congregation so that you could interact, and that kind of koinonia uh, happened, and God ministered. Our staff prays on Sunday mornings. Uh, frequently, we will pray, God, help us that whether we're in the hallways, wherever we are, to be able to speak a word that will bring encouragement or help to someone that we don't even know needs it. Walking about, talking with people. It happens, doesn't it? Uh, and, and that's ministry. So sometimes you come to church and you need to be ministered to, but listen to me. Did you know sometimes you come to church and, and God's going to use you to minister to somebody else? And you didn't say, I, well, I'm going to minister to somebody, but you went and you by the way, you may not even know that you ministered to somebody. But you, you, somebody said something, and you said something back to them, and it brought encouragement to their heart. You didn't know that, but God had, that's a divine appointment. So sometimes you come to church, and you need to be ministered to, and that's legitimate. And sometimes you come to church, and you need to minister to somebody else. And that's what he's talking about there when he says to encouraging one another uh, and stirring one another up. And we do that when we gather as the family of God. That's why church is important. That's why small groups, connection groups, you don't have a connection group, we're, they're st we've started our connection groups back and, and, and connect with a connection group, a small group. Uh, why? Because there you will experience ministry on a level that you can't even experience in the larger congregation. People knowing and praying for you and encouraging you and you doing the very same thing. So often we come just to get but God, I believe, wants us to do two things when we come together. He wants us to get something from Him, and He wants us to give something for Him. And you give when you minister to other people. I think everybody wants their life to count. Would I, I'd be accurate with that, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you say everybody wants their life to count? But I found out through the years that often when I give, I get. And when I minister, I receive ministry. 
Uh, no place offers a better opportunity to make a difference with your life than the ministry of the church. And one of the reasons you need to gather with the family is because you need to be giving, not just taking. And when you're in need, the family will then be able to minister to you. And when, when they are in need, you'll be able to minister to them. I, I came across a, a, a church survey uh, that asks the following question, to what extent has your ministry or service to others affected your spiritual growth? Did you get that? To what extent has your ministry or your service to other people, how has that affected your spiritual growth? 92% of the, the respondents said that it has affected me positively. Not one, not one responded that by serving and doing ministry for God has it, has it caused me to decline spiritually. 63% indicated that service was equally significant in their spiritual growth compared to other disciplines like prayer and Bible study. In other words, not just prayer and Bible study alone caused them to grow, but ministry or service plus prayer and Bible study together. Over 58% of those who were not actively ministering to other people said that they felt uh, uh, unsatisfied with their spiritual life or somewhat at best. Why is it so? It's because we find meaning in ministry. Many believers today are frustrated because they're unfulfilled. And here's why. God created you for ministry. And unless you are ministering, you're missing something that you were designed for. By the way, beginning next week, you're going to start hearing about uh, an emphasis for the month of May called serve. And that's going to be all about, you know, we're, in a lot of ways, it's like restarting. It's like starting a church over. And we need lots of help as, as people are coming back. And now we're, we're back in this place by the hundreds. And people are coming back. And ministry is starting to, to move in uh, uh, more advanced directions. Guess what? We need people to serve. You're going to be hearing about it all month of May. And you know what? If you're not serving, you ought to be serving. Everybody in the family of God is designed to serve. I'll talk about that as I wrap up in just a moment. But your talents, your abilities, your spiritual gifts, they were all given to you by God. And they're intended to be used for God uh, in and through the family of God. So, so we gather so we can engage in ministry. And then here's the last thing I want to show you this morning. That is our gathering has a motivator. Verse 25 tells us what that motiv motivator is. It says, gather, let me just kind of summarize it. Uh, go to church all the more as you see the day of Christ's return coming. In other words, we all believe Christ is going to return, amen? And because he's going to return, here's what the writer says. He is coming back. Because he's coming back, you take every advantage you have of, of, of gathering together. Let it be a motivator to you uh, because judgment is kind of accountability. Then when we say judgment, it's accountability before God. And so the writer says, let us, let us not neglect to meet together, but encourage one another. And then all the more as you see this day drawing, uh, uh, drawing closer. Now, again, I, I just want to say something. If, if, if you're listening to this on live stream or however, and you, you, uh, you might think that this message is because the pandemic has caused many people not to return to church. That's not the reason I've, I've shared this message with you. That's not it at all. I could have preached this message, as I said, 100 years ago. I could have preached this message a decade ago, two years ago, and it would be very needed. 
But that's not the reason I share it. I share this message with you this morning because of the, the myth that we, we talked about that has caused so many people to be confused about the importance of the congregation and the gathering. And, and I preach this message because of the ultimate motivator. Jesus Christ is going to return. The church and the family of believers is the place to renew and motivate us to stay on course, especially in a, in a world that's off course. Hello? And so our gathering is important for that reason. It is the place where we're energized, and it is the place where we're encouraged. It is the place where we are encouraged to stay the course, to trust God, and to enter into his presence. David, in Psalm 122, 1 said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Now, I have preached that passage uh, before, And I have referenced it many times over the years, but I saw something that I'd never seen before when I was preparing this message. In Psalm 122, when David says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord, it dawned on me that he used the word they and us. We've kind of always received that verse to say, I was glad when when I decided to go to the house of the Lord. That's kind of the way we've received that. But do you realize he's talking about there, there's a group that has said, come on, David, go with us to the house of the Lord. The us and the they means this wasn't David alone. This was a congregational gathering. I was glad when they said, and David said, man, I was so glad when I had the opportunity to gather with others in the house of God. I heard about a couple from South America, young man and woman, and Every day there was a church in Milan, Italy, that for about a month they would come and sit quietly before the altar, and the pastor just assumed that they were just like other people who would stop by regularly to, to pray around the altar at the church. And day after day they came, they sat for an hour or so, and then they left. And one day, the cleaning man in the church happened to notice there was an unusual electrical cord leading from the plug used to provide electricity to the, to the light up at the front of the altar. It was an extension cord. And upon further examination, he discovered that what the young couple were really doing were coming to the church. They were homeless, and they needed to charge their cell phone batteries. And so they didn't have a home, they couldn't charge at home, and so they would sit at the church and they would plug into that extension cord for an hour or so, and it became their source of energy. I read that story and I kind of laughed and I thought, how fitting. It really is fitting, you know. The church is a place where you can come and get your batteries recharged. It really is. It's a motivator and it's an energizer that helps us function in a crazy world. The church is a place of security. It should be a place of sanity and a place of safety. And until Jesus Christ returns, you need the church because it will inspire you. It will restore you. It uh, will edify you. It will uh, re-energize you. You see, we are families. And families hang out together. Healthy families even look for opportunities together. And that's a picture of the healthy church. And that's a reason that you should not be fooled by the myth 
that it doesn't matter if you go to church or where you go to church as long as you believe in God. Friend, it does matter. It does matter. So don't miss the message of Hebrews. The day is coming when Jesus Christ is going to return. And when he returns, there will be subsequent judgment. We will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, as Scripture says. And there will be subsequent judgment that will follow. And that means, being true, that now is the time together. Together as God's people. Now is the time to gather and worship. Now is the time to gather to deepen our relationship with Christ. Now is the time to gather so we can serve the purposes of the kingdom of God. Because the Bible says the day is coming when no man can work. We're headed for a day right now, unless something happens different in this country, we are headed for a day when it will become harder and harder for the biblically sound church together. We're headed for that day, people. That's why we can't take this opportunity for granted. There is urgency in the words of the writer. That's why he uses the phrase, all the more. All the more as you see the day approaching. All the more as that day is coming with urgency. Look for opportunity to gather. He's saying do it now. Do it now while we can. We we must do it while we have opportunity because we may, we may lose that opportunity together. Either through persecution, God forbid, but it could happen down the road. We're seeing things we've never seen antagonistic toward the church or the return of Christ. And that's what the writer was saying. Hey, Jesus is coming back. And because he's coming back, he said, don't neglect gathering together with the people of God. Now, when we talk about church, then we talk about joining the church. And I want to just wrap up by, uh, by saying this. When because uh, I always give you an opportunity to join the people. We've had lots of people join us uh, over the past year. I mean, scores and scores and scores of people have joined us over the past uh, year, and, and, and people live have joined us. We always talk about joining the church, and today in our culture, we often hear this, yeah, but again, I don't need to join the church. I, why can't I just uh, 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 be faithful in attendance uh, without having to commit now, here's a question I always want to ask when a person says, why can't I just be faithful and attend instead of commit and actually uh, join uh, a, congreg- a local congregation? I, I, I always want to ask this one, why wouldn't you? Why, why wouldn't If you're going to be faithful to attend and see that as your church, why wouldn't you commit uh, uh, to them? People say, I've heard this, I like to attend various churches. I, I like what this church does here, and I like what this church does here, and I like, and they all may be doing good stuff, don't, so don't get me wrong, and I like this. But let me tell you something, I just want to kind of hop from church to church from time to time. I want to tell you something, that may feel good, but it's not biblical. You say, really? Well, that kind of offends me. I won't be back. Well, I'm, look, it's not biblical. You see, Paul talked about a thing called body life in Corinthians. If you can go read it for yourself, he talks about body life. And you know what body life is? Body life is this idea that if you're a born-again Christian, God has given you certain abilities and gifts. And do you know what Paul even says about those gifts and abilities? They're not just for you. They are for the well-being of the entire congregation. In fact, at one point he says, your gifts are not your own. They not only belong to Jesus, but he says they belong to the rest of the congregation. Why? Because the idea is that a body is interdependent on, on the parts, right? 
Now, if you go from place to place to place to place to place to place and again back here and back here and over there and over there, some week I'm over here, one week I'm over here, one week I'm over here, it may, it may feel good. That's why I said your motions are not to drive your commitment. It may feel good. But here's the problem with that. God has created you to be a body part. And the only way you can be a body part is to connect with a body. Hello? And so that's why we say connect with, with the church. Think of it like this. Let's say you're a heart or a lung uh, or an eyeball, whatever you want to, just pick an organ, okay? You know that organ, for it to be effective, has to be connected to the other organs, right? I mean, if you take a heart and a heart says, well, I'm a heart, I'm the, I'm a, I'm, well, I'm the most powerful organ in the body, save maybe the brain, and I've decided that I'm not going to function inside the body. I'm going to not con- commit to the body. It, you're like an organ that's just been laid outside of the body. A heart may be powerful, but it's no good laying outside of the body. And by the way, even when it's transplanted, it's transplanted into another body to connect with that body, right? Because outside, no matter how powerful, that's a heart. Yeah, but that heart dies if it's not connected to the body. A lung, do the same thing. It dies if it's not connected. An eye, you can lay the eyeball right there, but it's pointless uh, because it is designed to work with the other body parts. That's what Paul teaches us. And so when you hear someone say, well, I just like to go here sometimes, and I like to go here, I'm not going to commit to any of them. That is not biblical because of this very thing, body life. So that's why, that's why we, we ask, you know, uh, commit commit to a body. And that's why it's so important. It's vital for you. It's vital for you spiritually, but it's vital for the local body as well. You can have great potential for God, but if you are neglecting to meet and together and to commit faithfully with the body, you will never fulfill your God-given purpose and God-given potential. And that's why the writer of Hebrews exhorts us to not neglect meeting together. A Christian that tries to live outside of the church is one of three things. They're either negligent or derelict in their duty because they've been designed for a body, or they are dysfunctional in their relationship, or worse, they're not saved to start with. You know what uh, John writes in 1 John chapter 2? He said, they went out from us. He's talking about the local church. They went out from us because they were never really one of us. So, that's why our gathering is important. It marks us. You know, it, it helps mature us. It helps all of those things. And so, that's why I encourage you to connect with the body. I'm glad you've gathered, but now I hope you understand why gathering is so important to us. Faithful gathering is so important. Jesus is going to return, and that motivates and stimulates us to serve him, but it also motivates us to gather together while we can before the hour is too late. Let's pray together. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, whether you're joining us by live stream or in this live audience, you say, well, I don't know what kind of body part I am. Well, you're not actually a body part unless you've received Jesus Christ. 
And so that's the first step you want to take. And you can do it right now, right where you are in this place, in this building, balcony, ground floor, live stream, wherever. You can call on him. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So you call on him and say right now, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. I know I'm a sinner and I know I need you. And right now I invite you to come in, transform me. Birth me anew. I want to be born again. I want to have a relationship with you. God, and I know you've designed me for your purposes. I want to be the body part that you've created me to be. So I receive you today into my heart. Thank you for coming in just as you promised. Maybe in this place or watching my live stream today, you would say, I haven't been the body part. I'm saved, but I've not been the body part I'm supposed to be. And Lord, I've been reminded today of the importance of being who you created me to be in the life of the body. I, or maybe you say, I need to connect. I've never connected. You can do that today. Lord, would you, would you move us forward in these new days, really, God, renewed days, days of reignition. Move us forward, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you look this way for me uh, for just a moment before we're gone? Maybe you made one of those decisions today, live stream or in this live audience. If you did, would you do something for us? Would you let us know about your decision? If you, if you prayed that prayer, you can take in this live audience, that tear-off panel on the back, give us some information, check the box, and drop it in the offering basket as you leave. If you're watching on live stream, you can text this word, Pastor, P-A-S-T-O-R, to 334-384-8080. It'll be on your screen. And text to us that word, Pastor. We'll know what to do with that. We'll take it from there. Maybe you want to join Ridgecrest today. You say, I am a believer and I want to join Ridgecrest. Uh, I never have. I've been going to. I've been thinking about it here. Text the word join to us. That same number, 334-384-8080. If you're in this live audience, you can do that. Or you can use the tear-off panel. Again, drop it in the offering basket. Maybe you need to be baptized never been you've been saved but you haven't been baptized or you got baptized and then you got saved let's get your baptism on the right side just text that word to us or check it on that tear-off panel for our live audience i hope you'll let us know about whatever decision it is that god has led you to make in in this place i'm so glad that you have been here today